Hear the word of the Lord to us from Acts 13, the first few verses. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Cynthia. Good morning. Well, tis the season for parades and green beer and green rivers and shamrocks and lots of people wearing green. Good job this morning. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you all. There's many stories and allegory about St. Patrick. Many have been told that St. Patrick went throughout the land and got rid of all the snakes in Ireland. But the reality is that's not true. There wasn't snakes in Ireland at the time. He's not really a saint at all, a capital S saint. He hasn't been canonized in Rome. He wasn't the first missionary to Ireland. There was others before him, but he came in and followed in their way. Patrick actually isn't even Irish. He actually reigns from modern-day Scotland. But there is a lot of beautiful things and amazing things about St. Patrick. 
And in his book, Confessions or Declarations, he shares about his journey of ending up in Ireland. In 405, when he was 16 years old, Irish pirates, literally Irish pirates, came and attacked his village and took him to Ireland along with other servants. And when he got over to Ireland, he was put on the slave market and a Druid chieftain bought him and put him to work in his pig farm as well as being a shepherd of his sheep. He was there for six years and in his book, Confessions, he starts to realize how God used that time in his life. And he says this while he was in the middle of the pig slop, how God got a hold of him. He says, I was 16 and I knew not the true God. But in a strange land, the Lord opened my unbelieving eyes and I was converted. I realize and I understand now the fervent spirit of the Lord was upon me. And after six years in a dream, a powerful dream, he was given a vision of how to get back to Scotland. And so he escaped after six years and got on a boat and came back to his homeland. And his family was so thankful that he was home and that he was safe and that he was okay. And he, he was sure that he would never return to that place where he was enslaved for all those years. But God spoke to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he heard from the Lord, go back to Ireland. And he shared this with his family. They thought he was crazy. At the age of 40, in 432 AD, he bought his own boat and he went to Ireland and spent the rest of his life in Ireland sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, not as a slave, but as a herald of the gospel. Thousands came to know the love of Jesus Christ. He was captivated by the grace of God. And he couldn't stop sharing about all that God had done with him. And he says this in his confessions. I'm certain of this. I was a dumb stone lying squashed in the mud. And the mighty and merciful God came and he dug me out and he set me on top of the wall. And therefore I praise him and ought to render him something for his wonderful benefits to me both now and for eternity. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we think about St. Patrick's Day this day, would you help us to be like him? one who heard from you and one who was sent out, one who responded to your calling, even though he was enslaved in Ireland, he knew that you were calling him there to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I pray that for each and every one of us, Father, that we would live in holy expectancy, that you are at work and that you call us into your kingdom work, that you invite us in to join you, Father, so do your, whole, your work through your Holy Spirit this morning in us. Teach us. And Father, I do ask that you will send us this day. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. When we live in holy expectancy, which is the title of my sermon, as we look at Acts 13, when we live in holy expectancy, 
we should expect to be sent. Remember the scriptures out of Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, All authority is in heaven, and it is in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jackson taught us about this last week. He has all authority. He's sovereign. He's in control. Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely, this is the beautiful thing about our good shepherd, our God, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am sending you, but I am with you. And that calling is not just for the church at large, that's for each and every one of us. Go, make disciples, I'm sending you. Acts 1.8 teaches us this. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, guess what? The Holy Spirit has come upon you. We will come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This is our study in Acts. The Spirit-empowered church. The Holy Spirit has filled us and is sending us, and you shall be my witnesses. Amen? Like Josh used to say, can I get a witness, right? (laughs) We shall give testimony. We should expect to be sent. In the old days, before modern harbors, a ship would have to wait for the flood tide before it could make its way to port. The term for that situation, the waiting, before the tide came in, was called ob portu. Ob portu in the Latin. And that was a ship standing off port. It's waiting for the moment that it could ride the turn of the tide. We get our English word, opportunity. Opportunity. Ready and waiting for the moment when the tide would rise so they could get into port. The church at Antioch lived in holy expectancy, ready for the tide, for the opportunity that God was opening up for them to serve him and to be sent. They were ob portu. We are in waiting. We are looking We are wanting to hear from you, God. We want to be sent to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. This beautiful church, like Jackson taught, the church that changed the world. Why? Because they were ob portu. They were expectant that the Lord was going to send his spirit and that they were going to go out and be used of the Lord. This most beautiful church, I love the beginning of the section, and we learn about all these different people who are involved in the church. It was a diverse group, lots of color, Jew and Gentile, lots of different gifts, lots of different places of life, all coming together to worship the Lord, to give Him all the glory, to live in the Holy Spirit, knowing that they're Spirit-empowered. Nothing that they do is from themselves, New Covenant. It's all from the Lord. And this church was filled with the life of Christ. 
This church is what church was meant to be. Different, each one valuable, each one important, each one with different gifts, and God using your gifts to glorify Him. This church was filled with teachers and prophets and and those who were ministering. And just a word about prophets. It's not like prophets of the old who were telling the future about the Messiah. It's the idea of giving prophecy about foretelling what, what God has for the church family. Setting the vision of the Lord as they heard from the Holy Spirit. And speaking forth the words of God to the people. This is what the Lord has for us, dear church. This is how the prophets played their role in New Testament church. Speaking prophecy and speaking forth all that the Lord had for them. And they were responding to it. Verse 2, as they lived in the power of the Spirit, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. We don't know what that speaking looked like, but I think it was probably through some of the leadership as the Lord was giving them a word. But the Lord spoke to the church and to the leadership. They were worshiping the Lord. That word basically means they were ministering. They were just living their life in Christ. They were following the Lord. They were serving faithfully. This is, they were going about the business of the Lord, which is what should be our daily lives, right? While they were ministering, while they were serving the Lord, the Lord spoke to them. And we also see in the text, while they were fasting, fasting is one of those things that we see often in the Scripture and And many of you have fasted before. Why do we fast? And maybe what was taking place with the church at Antioch? Why were they fasting? Well, I believe fasting is this this surrender unto the Lord. Fasting is an emptying of ourselves and saying, Lord, fill me. Show me. Talk to me. I want to hear from you. I want to have a dependence solely not on food, solely on you. And so we fast. And I think the church of Antioch was wanting to hear from the Lord. Lord, what do you have for us? We live in holy expectancy. We know you are working. We know you are touching people's hearts. We know that that's the kind of God you are. We know that you love the souls of men and women. What do you have for us? And so they were fasting, waiting to hear having a deep spiritual concern for the hearts and souls of people. Lord, we want to serve you. They were expectant that the Holy Spirit would speak, and he does. And the people respond to the direction of the Holy Spirit, and they follow the Lord. Do you see the order there? They're surrendered unto the Lord. They're waiting to hear from the Lord. Lord, where do you want to send us? Because we know you've told us to go and make disciples. We know you've told us to go out to the ends of the earth. Here's what I love about the church. You don't see it here in the text. They They don't come to the Lord and say, Hey, Lord, we've decided we're going to go to Africa. And so now bless us in our efforts. Do you see how that's backwards? So many times we live life. Here's what I'm going to do. Now, Lord, bless me. Instead of saying, I am surrendered unto wherever you have for me, whoever you want me to go in front of. And then trusting and knowing that when he sends us, 
He empowers us with his Holy Spirit, blesses us with his Holy Spirit to do the work that he needs to do. So they listen. I've set apart Paul and Barnabas to go out. I love how he sends them in twos. That's good, and it's, it's encouraging for one another. And so they call them out, and then they lay the hands upon them. What is laying on of hands? We've seen it in this church as we send people out. What is that for? If God has already anointed them and already called them to be sent out, what's the purpose? Why should we lay hands upon? This is God's work. Why do we do that? Why did the church do it in Antioch? Well, I think it's an identification. We identify with you, that we are with you, that we love you, we know you. A laying on of hands that says, we too have heard from the Lord that this is where he wants you to go. It's a show of the family of God coming and undergirding, saying, you're not going to be a lone ranger out there as you go and minister. You have a whole church family who's covering you in prayer and is with you and is going to come along your side and, and come with the resource to send you out. We are with you. It's also accountability. You don't just get to be a lone ranger out there and do whatever the heck you want. You're accountable to the Lord and to this church family. We lay hands on you. But what we're saying together is the Lord is blessing you. Now go. And so verse 3 says, after laying on of hands, they sent them off. It's an interesting Greek word there, apoluo. It's not the normal word for to be sent. It has the idea of you are now released. You are now set free. Go and use your gifts that God has given you. You see, Paul and Barnabas were significant leaders in the church at Antioch. You got to imagine how fearful that must have been for the church. Like some of our strongest leaders are now being called to go off. And I'm sure Paul and Barnabas felt a responsibility to the church as well as good shepherds. But what they're saying here is we're laying hands and we want you to be set free to go do what God is going to do with you because we live in holy expectancy that guess what? He's going to do a good work and he's going to use you to to go minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. So be blessed. Use the gifts of the Spirit. Be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We send you off with great joy. And you can only imagine their anticipation of waiting for the report to come home and all that God was doing so that they could give praise to God and glorify him for his work and his amazing salvation. And so they're sent off. In verse 4 it says, they're being sent out by the Holy Spirit and they went to Seleucia. I want to show you a map that I have, just a little map to help you out in the area. And they go over to Cyprus, trusting the calling of the Lord. Here's one of the things you got to know as we look at this passage. He doesn't say, hey, listen, I'm going to send you over to this region, and here's exactly what you're going to do. You're going to, you're going to have all, the, all the, the VBS set up, and here's exactly day by day, here's the itinerary. There's nothing wrong with planning, okay? Nothing wrong with that at all. But they go just knowing that the Lord has prepared in advance good works for them to step into, Ephesians 2.10. 
They know that. So they just show up where the Lord is leading them and direct them into whoever they're supposed to encounter. That's the way the Lord works. That's the way they respond. That's the way they trust that God is going to work. I wish we would just show up a little bit more and just hear from the Lord. They show up into Cyprus. By the way, Cyprus is not Greece, okay? you got to get over this. We have in our growth group Christopher Christoffi. He is a Cyprian. He's from Cyprus. He gets really upset when we call it Greece. So do not call it Greece. And if you want to know what a Cyprian looks like, find Christopher Christoffi. You'll see what he's very hairy. He's got a lot of hair. Those men, those men know how to grow a beard and hair everywhere. Beautiful. Blessed of the Lord. They went to Cyprus. They go there. Cyprus is that place that Barnabas is from. Don't you just pick Barnabas going, man, I want my people to know the Lord. And so they go to Cyprus. And they are proclaiming the word of God. Do you understand this? They're proclaiming the word of God. They're not just doing good deeds. They're proclaiming the word of the Lord. People are hungry for truth. Do you know that? They're looking for life. They are hopeless. They want to know truth. They're not getting that anymore. We live in a post-Christian era. You know what I'm surprised by? And I probably shouldn't be. But I'm surprised by, I'm encountering more and more people who truly do not know anything about Jesus. Like literally, nothing. They've heard his name. Mostly on the golf course. Right? They don't know anything about Jesus. Right, Trevor? So, what is that like? For us, as we think about those who don't know the Lord, that we proclaim the word. Don't just show up doing good deeds. Talk about Jesus in the Bible. Talk about who he is. Share the stories of the Lord and what he's all about. Share the word in this post-Christian era. It's about the souls of men and women. And ask God that he would give you a heart for the lost. You know, sometimes if we're real honest with ourselves, there's some days where it's like, eh, I mean, I'm not sure if I really care today. You know? I mean, that's, that's being honest, right? Don't most of us get to that place? And, and the Lord is, is going, hey, I want to give you my heart for the lost world, like he did to St. Patrick. Go share the love of Jesus, because people are hungering for salvation and hope and life, and they need to know me. Preach the word. Get it out there. Antioch was full of joyful expectation. They were excited to see what God was going to do with them and in the Lord. One of the things I love about coal is that we try to follow this beautiful model of Antioch. We're always praying, Lord, where do you want us to send people? What do you have for us? Who are you calling out in this church? We're always praying for that. We want the Lord's leading. We want to confirm the call. And you've seen us up here with our our field staff, and we lay hands on, and we confirm the call, and we too have heard from the Holy Spirit, and now we send out. And Brian Grant for many years, and now Asher... They're always asking the Lord, Lord, what do you have for us? And they're helping us as a body of Christ to be ones who are sent out. 
There's in the back, by the way. In the back rack here, listen. You want to know who's being sent out and what their stories are and what's going on? There's, there's all about cold of the world back here. And then there's all these pictures of the beautiful couples and individuals who are being sent out that we as a church are undergirding and confirming their call. I want you to know who they are. Spend time and looking what's going on and what's taking place. Go and, and serve and see. And I really want to encourage you for the May 4th Fun Festival that you come and support and encourage and, and confirm the calling of all these short-term mission trips. And maybe, maybe the Lord's calling you to be sent out on some of those. What does it look like to live in holy expectancy of being sent? This calling is not just for the professionals. It's not just for, you know, the long-term, full-life missionaries out there. It's for you and me. You and me. The prayer should be, Lord, where are you sending me? You've filled me with your Holy Spirit. You desire for me to go out to respond to you. You've prepared good works in advance for me to step into, to share your gospel, to bring life. Lord, where are you sending me? In my office place? In my family? Maybe it's just right across the street to your neighbor. Lord, where are you sending me? As elders of this church, and and I just want to encourage you personally, One of the things that's coming up soon, April 21st, by the way, Easter, where we celebrate our resurrected Lord. And Julie Turner and the Cole Creative team, Courtney and Raylan, they're going to put together these wonderful invitations to invite people to church. I want you to pray now. One person. One person. That you'll take an invitation to. That you will be sent to and say, will you come to church? Praying for their soul, that they may know the love of Jesus. Because people are longing for life and salvation. They are dead in their sin. Pray. Just one. But grab, grab those invitations. They'll be out in the next week or two. And let's invite people to hear about the love of of the Lord as Jackson teaches us on that Easter Sunday. Here's what is exciting. We should expect to be sent out. And when we, what's exciting about being sent out is we should expect to face all kinds of opposition and attack. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> we should expect it. And it is exciting. You want to know why? Because we know God's doing a work. And we know there is an incredible enemy who hates everything that we're doing, who hates God, who hates the salvation message, and he will do anything he can to stand in the way of that. When we are sent out, we should expect strong, strong, strong opposition. It's that next scene in verses 6 through 11. They're going, the proconsul, the the most powerful man in the region, Sergius Paulus, He's interested in hearing about Jesus, about the Word of God. Isn't that amazing? Don't you know? People want to know. I think sometimes we don't believe that. 
because we get so much attack or people just say, what a bunch of junk. But here's the truth. People want to know. They want to know about Jesus. They want to know about how to have life and hope. They want to know what it means to be saved. People want to know. Sergius Paulus wanted to know. But right as they're going out, being sent and empowered by the Lord, all of a sudden, bar Jesus gets in the way. Son of Jesus. Son of salvation. It's absolutely the opposite of that. You have to know that when we are sent, we go to war. Don't you realize we're at war? As followers of Jesus Christ, that we have an incredible enemy. You can't show up unprepared. We have to be in the word. We have to be in prayer. We have to ask the Lord to strengthen our faith. But we have to know we go empowered by the Holy Spirit. But we are at war. There is a real enemy. We will face strong opposition. What do we think happens when we join the army? We go into battle. And so they run into Bar-Jesus. Verse 6 says, the sorcerer, Bar-Jesus, he was an attendant of the proconsul. He, he was by his right-hand side. All, all of the main leaders of the time, they always had a magician or, or a wise man, a sorcerer. We saw that with the pharaohs of old, right? They always had someone by their side. Hey, tell me the future of this or tell me what's going to happen here. They were always looking to that person. And so Sergius Paulus, like most others in, in powerful positions, had a magician by his side. It was very common. And Sergius Paulus was, I love it, he's an intelligent man. He's one who knows truth and he's smart and he's thoughtful. Some people say, oh, Christianity is just for dumb people. How can they believe that stuff? No, no, he's an intelligent man. He's being very thoughtful about what he's hearing. That's not what's going to change his heart, though. It's not, it's not an intellectual battle that changes his heart. It's Jesus breaking through his hard heart. But this intelligent man, this powerful man, has this sorcerer. And, and right away, and they were, they were knowing there was going to be opposition, Bar-Jesus gets right in front of him and attacks him. Elimus. Elimus and Bar-Jesus, same person, just so you know. It's, it's Arabic. Elimus is Arabic for skillful one. He opposed them, the scriptures say. Elimus did. That means he stood against them. The, the Greek is antihistame. It's where we get the word antihistamine. It's to stand against or to fight against. And he tried to turn them. That's the idea that he tried to take them down a different path. They were headed on a path straight to Sergius Paulus. Elimus tried to take them down a different path, and it has a negative connotation, which is it's not a good path. He tried to take them down this different path. And then look at verse 9. I love how, I love how the Lord steps into this, into the persecution. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, you are, you're not son of God, not son of Jesus. You're actually a son of the devil and an enemy to everything that is right. You are a son of Satan. Well, that's not very Christian. 
That's not very kind, right? We kind of go, well, that's mean. Are you kidding? He was getting in the way of the gospel being shown to Sergius Paulus of a man whose soul was ready to be saved. And Elimus thought he could stand in the way of that. No way. You're a son of Satan. That's who you are. And so he cast them out. We need to know that there will be opposition. And we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You see, Paul speaks words, not from himself, but filled with the Spirit. And with the bravery, the courage to do such a thing. When we are being sent, God will give us the strength to go to our calling. There's opposition all the time. I was just reading the most recent uh, Voice of the Martyrs. Love this stuff. But a gentleman went to Sudan to go share the gospel. Next thing you know, he ends up in the Sudanese prison for 14 months. And the whole story in this is how all of a sudden, literally like God was opening up the gates in prison so that people could hear the gospel and they're coming to know the love of Jesus. At first it was like, oh my goodness, I'm in prison. How am I going to be used now? Oh, I know exactly how you're going to be used. You're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And there's people in this prison ready to know me. And you're going to be the one to be sent into the prison. I know that's what you didn't think was going to happen. And I know you thought you were going to go to this community. But this is the community I want you in. And so many came to Christ in this prison. There's always going to be, expect always, when you are sent, there will be strong opposition. That's part of our course with the Lord. Paul speaks, there is a real enemy, Satan. And when we are sent, we know we go into battle. But here's the truth. We serve a big God. We serve a big God. Jackson talked about that last week, right? Big God, small problems. It's the same with the enemy. We have a big God, and to God, it's a small enemy. He's crushed him. He's already had victory over him. That's the God we serve. 1 John 4.4 Dear children, you are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Paul, empowered by the Holy Spirit, confronts the enemy. He's going to bring the gospel. He's not going to let anything get in the way of Sergius Paulus hearing the good news. You see, when God calls you, you can expect him to be glorified. You know what? Many are going to reject your message, the message of salvation the message of God's love. Many are going to reject it. But many are ready to receive it. You have to know that. Many are ready to receive the love of Jesus and to have life. And they need to hear the good news. Their hearts are ready. Expect to be sent. Expect opposition. Expect God to be victorious because he is. Expect the gospel to pierce the hearts of men. Look at verse 12. This is so beautiful. The proconsul saw what had happened and he believed, for he was amazed about the teaching about the Lord. You see, Satan is standing in the way, but God will have victory. Jesus takes his disciples up to Caesarea Philippi. 
He says, who are they saying that I am? And they respond to him, but Peter, who do you say that I am? You are the son. You are the son of the living God, Jesus. That's who you are. Jesus replied, this wasn't revealed by flesh and blood, but by the spirit. And I tell you that you are Peter. Now listen to this. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, of hell, will not overcome my church, my message of salvation. Nothing is going to stand in my way. And so we go in holy expectancy of God's work. Not even the gates of hell are going to stand in his way. The gates were always meant to keep them out. Oh, we're busting down that wall. And God's kingdom is coming forth. He will build his church. Our God is victorious. He's conquered sin and death. Whoever shall believe shall be saved and shall live. The most powerful man in the region, intelligent, surrendered unto the king of kings. Jesus, who has all authority and life, he surrendered unto him. And he saw God's amazing power as he dealt with Elimus, but he was amazed at what? At the teaching of the word. The word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces bone and marrow. He was amazed and he was transformed and he became a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me finish with what I think is the rest of the story. Elimus, the sorcerer. Verse 11. Now the hand of the Lord is against you and you are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. And immediately mist and darkness came over him And he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Does this story sound familiar? Acts chapter 9. Paul on the road to Damascus. The Lord blinds him and he ends up groping around looking for someone to lead him by the hand. This, I think, is a story of amazing grace upon Elimus. And I just wonder. I just wonder... As Elimus is blinded, the one who stood in the way of Jesus and his gospel, just like the sorcerer stood in the way of Jesus and his gospel, I wonder, as as he's blinded and reaching out his hand, I wonder if Sergius Paulus reached out and took his hand and then walked him down the right path. And on the journey, I wonder if, like Paul, He surrendered his heart unto Jesus and was walked into the street called Straight, a child of God. I live in holy expectancy that we're going to see Elimus in heaven. I think the Lord spoke to his heart. It doesn't say it in scriptures here. But I I know the Lord's full of amazing grace. Oh, that we would live in holy expectancy that we would be ones taking the hand of the blind who are reaching out, helping them to see Jesus. And may we pray like the prophets of old, Lord, 
Here I am. Send me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your good word. We thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit in our midst. And I pray as a church family that we would be a church that would continue to send out in responding to your spirit to the ends of the earth. And I pray individually that we would hear your call. Where are you sending us, Father? To our neighbors, to our friends, to our loved ones who need to know your love, Jesus. So send us out, I pray. We love you, Lord Jesus. We glorify you this morning. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. In your beautiful and precious name, amen.